Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. At this point, to take the time to open your word and to share it together, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds and our eyes, our hearts, Lord, to receive what you have for us today, all of us, Lord, uh, coming with different needs and, and, and uh, yet knowing that, that through your word, our needs can be met this morning. And we just uh, bring ourselves to you and ask for you to work in us. Uh, again, strengthening us, causing our walk to be uh, stronger and, and drawing us close to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Do it slowly because I'm going to walk back here and get my glasses. At least I knew where they were. <laughs> uh, I had one of those embarrassing moments yesterday in reference to my glasses. Now, I don't need them, I didn't think, uh, to, you know, dare, you know, every day, every moment to wear, you know, constantly, to, you know, and uh, Kathy found my second pair of glasses case. I said, well, I opened it up, and there's no glasses in it. And I'm thinking, oh, where are those? <laughs> yeah. And I looked all over for them. Went and sat down back at my desk at, the, at home and, and, and put my glasses on. I said, oh, I left my drink over there. Went over and got my drink, and there they were. <laughs> and I thought, it is getting bad when you have to put on your glasses to find your glasses. That's just. <laughs> but anyway, Romans chapter 12. 
looking at verses 6, 7, and 8. We've been going through this section of Scripture together in the uh, area of, of uh, what God is doing in the, in the idea of one body bringing us together. And in so doing, he has provided for us the ability to minister one to another by giving us gifts, and that's where we're going to get into today. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to your faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. As we look at gifts, there's, uh, you know, I, I look at it and think, you know, it's always interesting to open up this part of Scripture because there is a lot of opinions about a lot of things in reference to the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to get into some of those, not this morning. Um, and the focus, every time we start to talk about spiritual gifts, though, the focus is almost always immediately on the gifts and sometimes more often the controversial gifts of, of uh, speaking in tongues, uh, healing, prophetic ministries, this type of thing. And, and so, the, you know, it's almost, a, it's almost like one of those sets of words, spiritual gift, boom. Your, your defense guard kind of goes up and says, okay, this is what I believe. You know, and you're kind of ready to do battle. And the sad part about that is, is that the, the differences for most of us in areas of, of, of spiritual gifts and how we look at them are pretty minor things compared to what we have in common. You know, and it's a sad thing to see that those are the kinds of things that end up dividing us. And part of the reason that that happens is because the focus does get sidetracked. We get defensive. We miss the point that Paul is driving for here more than anything else. One is we're one body with a lot of different abilities that God has given us to bring together the body and minister to one another. Okay, and that, now the spiritual gifts we're going to look at it more, more carefully in a sense, but there's also God has given us other kinds of gifts, talents that you're born with, talents that you've acquired. I, I, I listen to the worship team, and, and between the singing, the playing of the piano, the playing of the guitar, the playing of the ukulele, harmonica, and, and, the, and the drum as well, and all of these things that go on up there, I'm not allowed to play the drums because I can't keep a beat. People would rather I didn't sing, but if we do, we do a cappella because I always start in my own key. Um, I, I can play at the piano, but I can't play the piano. And I looked at a guitar. Those are talents that, in some cases, are, are natural gifts that people, I mean, there's some people that have the ability just simply to learn how to play instruments, learn how to, you know, to have beautiful voices for singing. And, and then there's people who have worked hard with those talents and even acquiring. So the, but, but those are to be surrendered to God as well. But what we'll be talking about will be spiritual gifts, and spiritual gifts, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, are gifts that are given out to the individuals in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's the dispensers, that, and we call them spiritual gifts. They are not something that, that we have acquired as much as it is something that God has worked in us as believers to be something to bring to the table, so to speak, in the body of Christ to minister one to another. And so we'll be looking very closely at these here in Romans, and we'll probably be exploring a few others as well uh, as we go through this. But as I said, the focus tends to be on the gifts, and I just put here in my notes, by the way, the, the sermon title, uh, I think it says, The First Gift, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because that came to mind based on somebody, the, the, the first gift you need was what somebody was, was initially talking about, and he had a particular order of things, and, and I thought, you know, in the sense, what is the first gift in, in the and, and how do I look at that phrase? And I realize this is, this is really, again, the focus on the gifts versus the focus on the giver. 
where does our focus really need to be? And I realized as I was putting this together that it needs to be on the Holy Spirit, on God, on the giver of the gifts. But we still get sidetracked. Well, how many gifts are there? And people want to even get into a debate on that. Oh, there's 27. No, there's 25. Actually, no, because 6, 7, and 8 overlap. There's 3, 4, and 2. Uh, you know, and and we, we get sidetracked on that. Are all of them for today? Some people already are going, you know. Um, 1 Peter 4.10 tells us that every one of us has a gift. Well, if I have one, how do I figure it out? Is there a test? By the way, has anybody in here ever taken a spiritual gifts test? Yeah. No comment. Um, uh, I, I have been in churches where they have been used... I have used them, and I have found that over the years, the majority of the people that take spiritual gifts tests go back to whatever it was they were doing prior to the test, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how that test turned out. <laughs> and uh, that's a terrible thing to do with somebody with ADD. Um, but we all have gifts. But again, I believe that resting and coming to know who the giver is and resting in God and his grace and getting to know the Father and the, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we'll get into some detail with that in a minute, is, is really the greater issue. And as you do those things, as you, as you pray, as you worship, I'm convinced that, the, that what God wants you to do is easier to see. We're so busy trying to find specific things to be in his will that we miss what most of his will is revealed to us. And we're not busy doing the things we already know we're supposed to be doing, uh, trying to find out what it is he wants us to do. And I'm convinced that we've got it backward. When we start doing the things we know we're supposed to do, the things that are unique to our individual paths that he wants us to do become more evident. And part of that, again, is this, this idea of, of knowing the Holy Spirit and, and, and who he is. And you noticed I, I, I already got into part of my you know, sermon this morning as far as I want to look at it, who he is. Not what he is or what it is, but who he is. The Holy Spirit himself is a gift. Did you, did you realize that? Have you ever thought about it that way? Um, in uh, Acts chapter 2, Paul, Pentecost has happened. Uh, the, the, Paul has preached his sermon uh, in reference to Christ and, 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 and his death, burial, his resurrection and all. And, and, and then he, he's kind of concluding things at verse 36. He says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Christ, both Lord and Christ, the, uh, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, that's all these literally thousands of people that were listening on the day of Pentecost to the Peter preaching. He says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, pierced literally into the heart. And it said to, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, be baptized, and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the gift of the Holy Spirit that's being talked about here is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit coming into us. By the way, at that point, I know I've said this uh, before, but you know, once the Holy Spirit is there, it's not like we get more Holy Spirit as we go along because we're more sanctified and this type. The Holy Spirit comes in in his fullness, holding nothing back. The only thing that gets held back is us holding back. Okay, and so the Holy Spirit in us. Repent, be baptized, receive the, 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 the gift of the, of, the, of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the day of Pentecost was a, an amazing day. Jesus had told the, the disciples in Acts chapter 1, I think around verse 8 there, you know, I want you to back into Jerusalem and basically pray, wait, 
for the Holy Spirit to bring the power to you that I've told you about. And uh, he made it pretty obvious just by the way he was saying it. You'll, you'll know. <laughs> and uh, he said, it'll come, you know, we'll go from there. But he says, with what comes, it's to prepare you to do something. To preach to Jerusalem. Can you imagine? 40, you know, 50 days after, after his death to be told to preach in the city that arrested him and crucified him. And then Judea, then Samaria, and then all of the world, out to the rest of the world. They went to the upper room and prayed. I don't know how many started, but 120 finished. And uh, says that it was an amazing experience, uh, a rushing wind, tongues of fire resting on their heads, speaking in tongues, uh, people hearing them speaking in tongues and saying, gee, we hear things, you know, the message that they're talking, the things that they're talking, we understand in our own language. And yet there were other people that were present that didn't, couldn't understand it. It sounds like gibberish to us. So much so that, that Peter says, oh, we're not drunk as you might think we are. You know, that's not what's happening here. So it's hard to say, and I'm not going to get into that either this morning, as to all that was going on. But what was clear was God had poured out the Holy Spirit in a, a way that was to show the, 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 the birth, if you will, of, of, of what he is going to do, what he was going to do in a powerful, very special way. Enough so that, that Peter pointed out, he says, this is what Joel Chapter 2 was talking about, you know, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, that's how he, kind of, he got at their attention. You know, this is, this is something right out of the Old Testament. Look at this. It talks about pouring out his spirit. And they started to listen as Peter began to preach. Well, I was wondering as I looked at this, that's going back to the very beginning of, of, of the church in the sense of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, well, how far back do I go in looking at the Holy Spirit here for the sake of getting us all in the same direction and, 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 and going in the same place? And I thought, well, I could go back to the upper room before Jesus was crucified in John chapter 20 where it says that he breathed on them and they, and, and they received the Holy Spirit. I thought, no, well, that, that, that shows the Holy Spirit involved there. And, and then I thought, well, uh, you know, uh, is there, is, could I go any further? And it came to my mind, and it was kind of just jumped back at me. Exodus chapter 31. I had done a whole series on this once. I'm not going to try to pronounce, uh, Aholiab was one of the guys, but I'm not going to try to pronounce the other guy's name. But... Uh, they were the, the master craftsmen that were going to be responsible for, for building the temple. And it says in Exodus 31, 1 through 11, that as they, God was preparing this and he was giving them, the, he'd given them the working plans, if you will, of all that needed to be made. And there were some amazing things that needed to be made for the temple, for the tabernacle. He says he filled them with his spirit for the purpose of this work. In other words, he took a natural talent or an earned talent and elevated it even to meet the needs of what God had for them. And the only reason why I feel that's important to bring up is just to realize if God puts you in a position where he wants you to do something, he's going to supply whatever is necessary to make it happen. You know where all the, the, the golden jewels came from? To, 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 or to, that were to adorn the, 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 the tabernacle? From the homes of the of people of, 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 of Egypt who were thrilled to see the Jews go. They gave them gold and earrings and, and jewels and stuff like that. All these things they were able to melt down and work and, and, and they had all the reason God gave it to them. In fact, that is a part of things that I, I, I still scratch my head at and don't quite understand because God can take things out of a world that doesn't care about him and put it into the hands of believers to do his work. Gosh, there's 17 sermons so far. Um, 
And I thought, well, the only thing left for me to do is go back to the first mention. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And we have very clearly the mention of the Holy Spirit here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form or void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hover, hovering over the face of the waters. The Holy Spirit has been obviously involved in everything from the beginning. So who, or you know, again, who is this Holy Spirit? Well, uh, again, I'll just make sure if you, it's a never it, it's always he or him. Masculine, personal pronoun to describe him if, it, if it's not the Spirit or the Holy Spirit. It's called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the Spirit. And I thought that in the Scripture, and then I thought, what's, what's the most frequent use that people are familiar with? And, and I have to quite candidly say, I was thinking more in terms of, of, of just universally in, 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 in the the, the, not just the church, but possibly beyond the church as to people understanding where they've ever heard the, 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 the word Holy Spirit first or, or used a lot. And, and, and it's more what I call liturgical in a lot of places because in a lot of churches when they, they pray and they say at the end of their prayer, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. How many times have you seen somebody crossing themselves? I just, and the reason why this came to mind simply was because I was watching an old Western on, and and the, 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 at the, the very end, there was a, the, the good guy died. And there was a guy going, oh, standing and going, you know, and I thought, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, and, and how often, you know, people have heard that phrase. We also, within the framework, while we don't frequently use that phrase in our prayer life, we do use it in one very particular place, in reference to uh, one of the sacraments, baptism. We say, you are now being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. By the way, there's a good reason for that. Matthew 28 tells us to do that, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we, 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 we talk about it, and that way we, we, we start to talk about spiritual gifts and normally get sidetracked. I want to, to just come back to a few more things about the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, one of the things that, that, that goes on is when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit, and, and I, I'm looking around, I'm preaching to the choir as far as uh, some ba your basic understanding here this morning, but you know, we, we understand that the Holy Spirit, in some way, we say, God, the Holy Spirit. In some way, we understand that God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. That makes us, from a Latin word, Trinitarians. Never be ashamed of that. I've had, you know, people will come up to me, and I've had this happen more than once. Well, the word Trinity isn't, Trinity or Trinitarian isn't in the Scripture. And uh, I... You know, you know, there's a lot of other words that we use that aren't in the scripture as well. Uh, it's a description of what God has revealed himself as. And so I, I, I thought, you know, now comes some fun. Trying to describe something beyond my earthly understanding. The Trinity. So I'll let J.I. Packer do it for me. This is one definition that he puts forth. He says, three persons sharing the same divine essence. The stuff of deity, if we may call it that. Now, he wrote it, not me. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm always cautious when I use the word stuff in anything spiritual because it sounds so... And, and, but, and so he says, the stuff of deity, if we may call it that, in reference to that's what divine essence is. And I thought, but that makes me, helps me at least get a, a, a grasp of it a little bit. The one God, he, is also an equally they. Well, here it goes. And they 
are always together. Always cooperating, always in agreement with the Father initiating, the Son complying, and the Spirit executing the will of both, which is the same, and which is his will also. <laughs> We're all in agreement now, right? <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought by passing the buck it would have been easier. But I, 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 I didn't bring it out here. I could have gone with Jonathan Edwards. And I don't know how many of you know much about Jonathan Edwards, but he is still considered one of the most brilliant prodigies of United States history to this day, back in the 17, early 1700s. And uh, he, was, he was in university-level stuff in his pre-teens. Uh, he was preaching. Uh, you know, in his early years, he, he just, he, he was able to speak you know, things of God that just turn people upside down, right side up, I suppose you should say. And it was an amazing career and ministry and impact that he's had. But when I go to, I have a 10-page article that he wrote on reference to just talking about this one thing, the definition, and I'm going back to J.I. Packers. <laughs> but actually, then I thought, no, I'm going to really get simple. I'm just going to simply go with R.C. Sproul's. One essence, three in persons. One essence, three in persons. <laughs> three persons. And I, and I thought, okay, that's easier. I don't still I don't know what it means, but it's easier. Uh, and so I'm going to share with you simply what helped me grasp this picture of the Trinity, how the Holy Spirit, Christ, the Father fit into this, because I believe that's essential in order to grasp the power and the meaning of the gifts of the church and the unity that God wants within the body of Christ in reference to all of that. Romans 1.20 tells us that God's revealed in nature. Now, I am the last thing that is close to anything that has to do with you know, physics and, 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 and science and, and universe and all this kind of stuff. But there are some guys who have written some great stuff that have helped me understand a little bit. And the idea of seeing God in nature and there's a, a man by the name of, of Nathaniel Wood, Dr. Nathaniel Wood, and another one that you are familiar with, G. Campbell Morgan. They wrote a book called The Trinity in the Universe. It's not in print. Um, it was written quite a few years ago, obviously, if you know anything about the ages of the, when these people preached. And... One of the, the statements out of the book, the triune nature of God is stamped on his creation. The triune nature of God is stamped on his creation. And the idea that he was using, the idea of stamped there was going back to where Jesus said in Colossians, Hebrews, and others, that he is the image, the stamp, the image of God. So that it was something that says, you can see him. God has revealed himself in nature. Now, most of the people that look at it aren't going to see what we're going to see because they're not looking at it with the aid of the Holy Spirit in them. And so as they look at nature, they just see part of it. Or they may see everything that we see, but they're going to, they have the different glasses on, if you will, or a different window to look through. And as a result, because of everything that's on their belief window, they look at it and say, well, this is what I see. Isn't that an amazing part of this? Uh, that's one of the things that, that Creation Institute stresses. We are all, and, 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 and Anderson versus Genesis too, we are all looking at all the same facts in reference to evolution, history, and you know, whatever it is. When we look at things, we all look at the same facts. It's a matter of the glasses that you put on that give you the idea of how to perceive it and decide what you're going to believe about it. And in all cases, it's an act of faith. <laughs> so... Uh, here was their thing was is that the triune nature of God is stamped on his creation. We can see it. And he gave multiple examples. But, but the one that stuck in my mind that just amazed me goes back to Genesis 1.1. And I should have just left it there. 
Um, in the beginning was God, beginning, keyword. God created the heavens, keyword, and the earth. Three things, beginning, heavens, earth. What we have is the beginnings, time. Heavens, space, earth, matter. Time, space, and matter. God, in the beginning, God created these things. Those are, those are synonyms for those things. Okay? So right there is a, a, a triune picture, <laughs> time, space, and matter. That's what makes up the universe. Okay? And then each one of them, interestingly enough, break into a, a triune picture as well. And this is what's fascinating to me. Because, I, like I said, I'm not a science person, but I recall these things in, in high school and college as far as the science I did take. Space, space this one's easy for me, you know. Space, space is made up of length, breadth, and width. How high, how wide, how deep, you know. It's three-dimensional. Matter is made up of solids, gas, and liquids. I just thought of water, and 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 that kind of, I didn't just think of that, but 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 I, during the week I was thinking of it, and 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 the idea of water is 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 you know you have a liquid water, but you, how do we how does it become a solid? Freeze it, ice. How does it become a gas? Evaporates. Okay, so uh, solids, gas, liquid, and then time, past, present, future. Some people will take that and, 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 I, and I want to go further with it or dig into it. I'm going to say, uh, I, I don't know that how, I'll loan you my book, <laughs> but, but I don't want to, to lose it because, like I said, it's out of print. But um, I'm, I'm too, it's got to be simpler than that for me. And you know this one because you've heard me use it before, and, and that's the egg. And by the way, anytime. I don't care what it is you use to try to describe a mystery of God in the sense of something that's beyond our comprehension, really fully understanding. You are going to fall short. You can, you, you know, so metaphors, analogies, however you want to look, be careful that you don't just extend them too far. But for me, this worked. I have an egg. I have three dishes. I crack the egg, go back and forth so that the yolk is just in, in, in the, the white is falling out into one of the dishes. I, I don't know what the, the culinary term for that is, but separating, separating the yolk from the white. That's a big culinary term for me, separating. Okay, and, and as, you, as you do this, now you have the shell and the yolk. You pour the yolk into the, another dish, and then you normally just throw the shell into the garbage because there's not normally any real use for it. But for the moment, we're going to put it in a third dish. And so we have the shell, the white, and the yolk. Which one is the egg? All three. Somebody said white. Who said white? <laughs> That's because I have a cholesterol diet. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, you know, so we have the, 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 the egg. Which, you know, the, all three are the egg, but obviously they all have a, a, an individual function, and, when the, and in their separateness they, they serve different functions, especially in cooking. Because you don't want the, 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 the shell in any of it that you're cooking, normally anyway. And, and the, the yolk is, is extra rich for certain things that you want to cook that just you use egg yolks, yolks only for. And egg whites have less cholesterol, and, and people use them for breakfast food um, and other things to cook and make as well. And so they each have their different function, yet they're still all egg. And the neat thing for me was is that, this, and this is the extent of my understanding of, of science, is they all three have in any one egg, if I take any one egg and do this, when you got, test the DNA in all three of those dishes, the shell, the, the white, and the yolk, you're going to still come up with the same DNA. It's the same thing with us. Take a hair, take a tooth, take a, a toenail. It doesn't matter what it is from your body. It's all going to have the same DNA. Okay? I, that amazes I don't See, I'm simple. That amazes me. 
all I'm trying to say is, is that, that, you know, to, to, to understand fully the, this idea of the Trinity, it's not easy to do, but there are evidences of it around us that we can look at and, ga and grasp glimpses of it to try and understand. The scriptures, they speak of it very clearly. First, I've already quoted Matthew chapter 28, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But think about, and I find this very interesting, here's Jesus being baptized, Matthew 3, okay, uh, you know, we're in, uh, Mark chapter 1 where Jesus is baptized, uh, where it accounts it. He's being baptized and it says, and the Holy Spirit descended him on him as a dove. So we have Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, and it says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son. Who would say this is my son? The Father. Okay. There's the Trinity all in action. Because you see, there's some people that say, no, uh, God the Father became God the Son, who now is God the Holy Spirit. There's a word for that one, but I, I, I don't know how to, I'm not, I don't want to say it because I'll probably mispronounce it, but uh, it, 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 there's a whole theology around that. There's a group of, of, of people who are, quote, use the phrase, Jesus only, meaning that they do not believe in the Trinity. I don't believe you can know God in any complete way in the sense of, of what he has for you to know about him and miss, and, and miss the Trinity and in the sense of, of, of being able to follow up and embrace him. Paul's benediction in 2 Corinthians, uh, he, he, he uses the, the, the The Trinity is as uh, a picture here. I just got to get to it. I love it when your markers slip down into the book. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, Paul didn't go on to try to. He just he said, "Here it is," you know, and. and the, 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 the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Paul saw it in there. In Romans chapter 15, he mentions it. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, he mentions it. Ephesians chapter 2, he speaks of it. And then I thought, okay, how about J Jesus himself? You know, in John chapter 10, uh, around verses 30, Jesus identifies himself as, and the Father as one. So there you have the Father and the Son are one. In Romans 8 9, the Son and the Spirit are one. There's a therefore that goes. If the Son and the Spirit are one and the Father and the Son are one, therefore the Father and the Spirit must be one. What is it? They are one. Even in the Old Testament prophecies, I think of Isaiah 61, one was talking about the ministry of Christ as it, it's, when it's going to come. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That's the way Jesus actually described it, too. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. See clearly? No. Catch glimpses? Yes. Do I have a problem after going through all of this? These are the things I went through, and I said, no. But there's an act of faith there, yes. But after seeing all that God has done, and I see this come up and pop up, and the ways it's popped up, and the way people have looked at it to examine it and to see it, I say, I can handle this. I don't have to know everything about it in order to rest comfortably and confidently in it. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is who God is. And three persons in one essence, it's, it works. We even see it in the crucifixion. At, at the, at, you know, it's very clear, Scripture says, the Father gave the Son. Right? How often do you see it quoted at, the, at, at sports events? John 3, God so loved the world, he gave his Son. 
son's presence at the crucifixion is a given. I mean, I don't care which accounting that you read, all the Gospels speak to it, the book of Acts speaks to it, the letters speak to it. Jesus hung on the cross. He was there. God the Father gave the Son, who was there physically, for the sacrifice. And in the scriptures we shared this morning, uh, in the reading, the Holy Spirit, it says, Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God. The Holy Spirit was there as well. The Holy Spirit, therefore, the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, are all intricately involved in our salvation as well. I kind of started with that. Repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the incoming of the Holy Spirit. And as we look at this, you're going to see that, the, that all of the, the gifts and everything are ultimately going to point to the, the reality of, of revealing who Christ is, encouraging us in our walk and strengthening us to walk for him and revealing to, and even in us through to others who Christ is. We call that sanctification. So he's involved in our salvation, sanctification. He's involved in our eternal life. I, I, I think of, of one more scripture as this, this would draw us into to communion. Um, 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, uh, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with his blood. Hebrews tells us that he went into a, a temple different than that made of man. And his blood was sprinkled for our sake there. In order for us to be at peace with God. And as we confess Christ as our Savior, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit starts to build in us that confidence as we read the word and we begin to understand it through the eyes of, of, of God rather than the eyes of, of flesh in the sense of man, and we begin to grasp what we see. Isn't it an amazing thing that the creator of all the universe became a man and went to the cross and died for us, and we are sprinkled by his blood in a tabernacle not made by the hands of man that was put there just for the purpose of redeeming us? Does that amaze you? Before the foundation of the world, that was put in and it was the plan. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit intricately involved. And Peter just puts it just so simply. He just says, the knowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood, the resting in his grace is implied by that. When we come to the table because of what he has done, what God has done, collectively together, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the sacrifice of Christ, we come to this table in his grace, sprinkled by his blood with eternal life that can't be taken away from us. Ask the ushers to come forward. Uh, pass the communion out until we've all been served, and we'll share together.
thing to be at peace with the Father through the blood of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit in us to recognize Jesus Christ the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords He alone worthy of our worship for all that He has done to bring our grace but as we worship Him we worship the Father, we worship the Holy Spirit we don't have to try to figure that out, but just to know the awesomeness of what he has done, what what is accomplished for us. The last phrase of, of, of the scripture reading in, in Peter, first Peter I didn't read, and it says, May my may may grace and peace be multiplied to you. And I think of that in the sense of every time we take communion, the recognition that Every time we confess our sins, Jesus forgives us of our sins. He restores us to his righteousness. He, it's as if we had never, never sinned at all. And, and, and that's this idea of grace and being at peace with God. May it be multiplied to you. It's the idea of, of resting more and more and more what Christ has done for us. And that's done through the indwelling and the power of the Holy Spirit and reading his word his word makes it very clear that what he did for us, he inaugurated to make it clear for us in his word, something that would be recorded. He took bread. After giving thanks, he broke it, passed it to the disciples, and he asked them to eat it. 
And as they were eating it, he said, this is my body broken for you. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he, and he wanted this as often as we would do it to be done in remembrance of him. So we do it in remembrance now. Into the meal, he says, he took the cup of wine, held it up, said, this is my blood that's poured out for you. Said that it would be purchasing a covenant. And it's interesting, I, I, I don't know how many times I have been in this position to, to lead communion since I've been a believer. Hundreds and hundreds. And, you know, there are times where I'm trying to think, is there any other way to say this <laughs> so that it would be fresh to you? And then I thought, that's not my responsibility. That's the Holy Spirit in you that will make it fresh to you as you yield. The words are his words. This is my blood poured out for you that purchased the covenant of grace. And as often as you drink this, he asked us that we would do it in remembrance of him until he comes Father, we again come thanking you this morning. Thanking you for all that you have done through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that, that, that we would come and, and, and just rest in you, thanking you for what you, the grace that you've poured out. I think of the words again, maybe the grace and peace, being at peace with you be something that would multiply to us as we rest in it. That means that we would become more and more confident in that day by day to that point where no matter what happens around us, we can say, but God is my Savior. And we could join Paul and say, it doesn't matter what happens to me. Live as Christ. To die, I win. To die is gain. We want that boldness. We want that strength. We ask for you to build it in us and to help each other build it into and encourage each other in this, this quest to know you, to, to rest in you, and to, to be like you. We worship you, praise you, and thank you in Jesus' name.